begin reading in verses 1 through 5. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 1. We'll begin reading in verses 1 through 5. When you can get there, you can say amen. amen. I know some of y'all are just looking at the screen. You're not even picking up your Bibles. And you say, I got that. <laughs> I'm teasing. To the church of the Thessalonians and God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. Let's pray. Father, we want you to know this morning that we love you. We praise you for your word. We thank you, Father, for what you're going to do. Father, empower me by your Holy Spirit. Will you breathe on me that I might give the people, Lord, exactly what you want to hear. Father, we need you, Lord. We need your spirit. We need your power. We need your anointing today to transform our lives in incredible ways. So, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Lord, there is a there is a grace this morning for your power to move and touch hearts today. And, and God, we're anticipating that our church will not be the same, that our people will not be the same, uh, having heard this message that you have for us today. We give you praise and glory. And all God's people said amen. 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 You may be seated in his presence. We began a series a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the title of the series is Maturity. <clears throat> the first week of the series, we had talked about the importance of spiritual growth and how that God has called each and every one of us to give attention to ourselves that we can grow up in the things of God. Uh, last week, we had dealt with some of the signs of immaturity. And in that particular uh, sermon last week, we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, where the Apostle Paul was addressing some of the major concerns that he had with the Corinthian church. And so we talked about how immature that church was and how Paul had to deal with that in order that they may become the people that God wanted them to come. And so today we want to talk about the marks of spiritual maturity. As we have been talking in recent weeks about the importance of understanding that we're supposed to grow. We talked about uh, what immaturity is, but we want to answer the question, what does a mature Christian looks like? Because we can say that, yes, you need to grow up, but how do we know that depending on who you're talking to, growing up can mean different things? So we, we need to discover from the Bible, what does it mean to be spiritually Mature. So we don't want to just tell you to grow up in the things of God, but we want to show you from the word of God what that looks like. Um, as I said before, that the goal of this series is to inspire each and every one of us to become all that God wants us to be. We never want to be, as we conclude this series today, I want you to hear my heart. We never want to be a people that are just satisfied with where we are. That there is a depth to God. I've been, I've been in this thing for a number of years, over 20, 21 years. And the more I read, I mean, you cannot exhaust the power, the glory, the riches of his word. You cannot. It, God is deep beyond deep. You will spend the rest of your life trying to understand him, trying to grapple. And even after all that, you're going to realize that there's still a lot of things that you don't know. Because God is deep. And that's why I love his word so much because you can't exhaust it. I mean, there's so much to grow and there's so much to learn. And, and, and I hope that having heard these messages that you will feel inspired to dig into the things of God, 
to say, well, you know, I, I'm not going to be comfortable being just a Christian. I'm not going to be comfortable with just knowing that heaven is my destination, but there's something on the inside of us that says, God, I want to know you. God, I want to get closer. God, I want more. How many of you want more? You don't just want to come to church just to have another church meeting. You want more than that. You ought to come with an expectation that I'm going to receive more than just coming to church, getting a cup of coffee, shaking somebody's hand, and getting ready for the next week. Our God is bigger than that. But so much more to God than that. One of the things that you understand about our church is we're not ritualistic. That meaning that we really do things in a way that we want to dig in to try to discover who this God is that saved us, that delivered us, who called us out of darkness. We want to know him. We want to know him and the fullness of his power. We want to experience the fullness of Christ. So Paul here talks to the Thessalonian church. I love this verse because Paul gives the contrast. You remember last week we talked about the Corinthian church. They had backbiting, you know, the signs of immaturity. They, they, they were in the Corinthian church, in the Corinthian letters, Paul had to deal with, they, they, had, they had pride. Uh, they, were, they were talking uh, uh, about each other. They had cliques in the church. There was division in the church. There was disunity in the church. Everything that a church should not be and the way that a church should not function, you found it in the Corinthian church. And so it was, so though that there were people that had a zeal for God, they were all confused. They were so confused in the church that Paul had to send a letter and say that, that, that there's stuff inside the church happening and you all are not even dealing with it because you don't, you don't even see it. So you, you, you see that church, the Corinthian church that had all these problems, but, but let me hasten to say that they're still God's people. Okay, I need to say that. Because I know that there's something in all of us that we like to criticize each other, right? But they are still God's people. And we have a responsibility to care for one another. So even when we're acting like babies, how many know we need to what? Care for one another. We're called to do that, no matter what. But understand, so Paul here addresses, and this is the testimony that I want our church to have. Paul says, Paul says, listen to this. He said, we are bound to thank God for you. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. We're bound. He said, we are bound. He said, we, we just, we cannot do nothing else but thank God for you. Always, brethren, as it is fitting. He said, because you deserve it. Because your faith grows exceedingly. This church in Thessalonica, this wasn't a church that would just kind of just barely making it. He said that their faith was growing exceedingly. That this was the church that Paul said that this church was so incredible. Paul says that, that in verse 4 so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God. How I many know that that's a good testimony? Paul said that you People in Thessalonica, your church, you're so awesome that everywhere we go, we brag about you because your faith is huge. You know how to deal with difficult things and persecutions and hardships and, and tribulation, and you still have patience. You, you still love each other even though it's hard. How I many know we still got to love each other? And I'm going to agree on every point. I'm sure that people in this church had things that they liked too. But their love, I like how Paul says it. He says, he, he, he talks about in that same verse in chapter 3, he said, and the love of every one of you abounds toward each other. In other words, Paul was saying, y'all got mad love for one another. And let me tell you something, love is the glue that will hold a thing together. Whether it's your marriage, Right? relationship with people that you know and love, whether it's a church, when you got strong love, you, you, you kind of look over some things. You know, you're not about the pettiness because love is the thing that draws us together. Jesus said it this way. He said, he said men will know that you are my disciples, not because you, we, we have every doctrinal point correct, not because we, we, we do everything perfectly well together. How many know the church is filled with imperfect people? 
He said that men will know, they will know that you are my disciple, that you belong to me because of the love that we have for one another. I mean, love is important. And we want to talk this morning about the signs of a mature Christian. How many of you want to be mature? You know, it's interesting. Now, now, let me say this on the outset of this message that uh, some of you may be offended. But, but it's going to be okay. Now, how many know the Lord, he step on your toes every now and then? Amen. Because I've been preparing you for this, so you already, you've been getting this, and so you're mature enough to take it. Amen? Amen. Uh, but how many know every now and then God comes and he just kind of knocks on our door a little bit and says, hey, hey, you, 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 you need to fix that. Uh, this might be one of those messages. If you hear that, just say, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, I receive it. And don't get mad at Pastor Bailey. Just come and love me and give me a big hug afterwards. Amen? So the Apostle Paul, when he talks about a mature church, it's interesting. Paul don't talk about diverse programs. <laughs> he doesn't talk about spacious buildings and large attendance, dramatic experiences, or a certain style of worship. Paul talks about none of those things. He talks about the, the internal. See, we're all about the external in our culture today, right? We think that church growth means that we have 30,000 people coming into the church. That's a good thing. Everybody say, that's a good thing. I would love to have 30,000 people come. Don't misunderstand me. But don't equate that with spiritual growth. You can have folks in the church, you can have 10, 20, 15 people that are mightier than 300,000 in faith. So spiritual maturity has nothing to do with all that. Paul was addressing Paul said, Paul said y'all got some, y'all got serious love and you deal with patience, with tribulations and persecutions. He was dealing with the, with the internal and we need to deal with these things as well. See, in order to have a mature church, how many know we must have mature people that make up the church? <laughs> uh, our goal is that every one of us that our greatest ambition. I want you to hear me when I say this. My, your, our greatest ambition is when I come to church, not pastor, will you preach to me something that will help me for the next week? Not pastor, that you just give me a great word that would encourage me today because I got beat up yesterday. But, 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 but listen, I want you to hear my heart, that when you and I come to church, that I want each and every one of us to think like this. Now, we're thinking mature Christian. Everybody say maturity. Mature. That our mindset is, I'm coming today, Lord, because number one, I'm coming to worship you because you're great and you're awesome. And then number two, God, I'm coming because I want to be more like you. Lord, I want you to gut out of me everything that is not like you. My bad attitude, my whining, my complaining. God, I want you to drive out of me everything that is not like Christ. So then our greatest ambition is when I come to church, I'm saying, Lord, I'm coming because, Lord, I want to know who you are. I want to be more like you. Can you imagine what a church full of people like that, what it would look like in the spirit? I mean, that would be like super large, huge McDonald's size. Y'all know that. Some of y'all are going to be super large, you know, whatever they do. Uh, uh, I hope y'all don't get the super size. Y'all know that's dangerous, don't you? So stay away from that. That's a sidebar issue. But, but let, me, let me, before we go in, I, I got 10 principles of spiritually mature Christians I want to share with you, and then we'll be done with this series. Uh, because I want to give these to you practically, and then you'll be able to gauge, and you'll be able to say, okay, pastor, he, here, here is why I know I'm growing, and then here is why I know that I'm not growing. And then we need to correct that. Is that fair enough? But before we go into those, we want to take spiritual inventory. Let me ask you an honest question for those of you who've been listening to this series. Uh, have you taken spiritual inventory of your own life? Yes. Your maturity level? How many know that in order to really understand whether or not you're growing or not, you need to take a look at yourself? And you know what? And you know what? Also this, it may be a good idea to go ask some other folk in the church, how am I doing? Uh, how many know that's good fellowship? 
That's what I'm talking about. Nobody want to do that. That's fellowship, man. How am I doing? Am I a nice person? What do you see? When you think of me, what do you see? Boy, I would love to see this. Just, ask, just go to somebody and say, what do you see when you see, think of me? And I hope your chin is nice. You can take the punch. But hopefully, there's somebody who's saying, look, let's be honest with each other. How many know the church needs to be honest? Amen. In love. Right. Brother, I love you, but you full of pride. <laughs> okay. Who are you to tell me that I'm full of pride? Well, I thought this was we joined together. Amen. We're the body, we're the body of Christ. That means that we're, you know, everything on my body belongs to me. See, what you do affects me. So I have a right to ask you some questions. And then you have a right to ask me some questions. Pastor, how are you doing this week? Did you watch anything, Pastor, you shouldn't have been watching? I'm getting deep now. Uh huh. See, this is, this is stuff that we don't like to do in church because we, in American culture, see, in American culture, we, we're private people. We don't want nobody getting in our business. Because we don't want, we don't, we, because in America, we pride ourselves with independence and freedom. I like freedom, but how many know freedom in the kingdom does not absolve you from the responsibility of accountability? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Right. Uh, I'm preaching real good this morning. This is, this is good. Watch this. Now, so here's some questions we need to ask ourselves. Number one. Now, these are not bad things, okay? I want you to hear this. Now, watch. How much time do you spend, how much time did you spend this week watching TV? Not that TV is a bad thing, because we're talking about things, we're talking about maturity, right? How many know too much of anything is not good for you? Right? See, some of you are upset now, because now you think, I'm not messing with your TV. It's okay. Watch TV. <laughs> don't, get, don't, don't leave me. Don't jump off the, here you go meddling. No, I'm not. I watch TV. There. <laughs> I watched it yesterday. There. I watched some this morning. There. I got it? So I'm good. How much time watching sports or entertainment or reading the paper or magazines have you done this week? How much time did you spend on some hobby or outside interest that may, not be, that may not be immoral but is not necessary? How many hours did you spend studying your, the Bible? What opportunities did you take advantage of at the church that could help you spiritually? Which do you nourish the best, your spirit or your body? Are you feeding your mind on God's word or pleasures? Now, if you can answer those questions honestly and truthfully, you can kind of get a grip on where you are. Because part of going, uh, growing spiritually and being mature believers is understanding this, that there are some things that are not necessarily sinful and bad. See, for us, we draw the line where there's clear sin. But Paul says in Hebrews that we need to cast aside not only the sin, but, every, but the weights. See? Some things are not sinful, but they're just weighty. They get in our way of becoming what God wants us to become as spiritual people. So, what, so now, if you're a person that watches TV to the detriment that you spend very, very little time feeding your soul, feeding your spirit, then you may just need to cut back. You follow me? If you got a hobby that you say, my hobby keeps me so busy, I can't go to church, I can't read the Bible, I can't fellowship with other believers, I can't do you might just need to pull back on your hobby a little bit. Here's what, I'm trying to get you to, here's what I'm trying to get you to understand. Spiritual growth doesn't happen by accident. You know how you plan your vacations? You plan your appointments? You know, everybody, I bet I look at your calendar, y'all got your week already mapped out. How much time do you have up there for God on your calendar? What on that calendar, on that calendar will help you spiritually? See? What have you put on that calendar that says, you know what? Yeah, because if we're going to be transformed. We got to be people that do some things on purpose. And that may mean that even though they're not sinful things, I may just need to get rid of some things that is, that is kind of just not helping me to, to be what God wants me to be, helping me not to be as spiritually sharp. How I many know we're living in a time that we need to be spiritually sharp? Amen. Do you hear me? Amen. I didn't even plan on saying this. Okay. The Holy Ghost. You see, 
How many know we're living in dark days, right? We're living in some dark days. If you don't know that, then you're just, you'll get the light by the end of this sermon. We're living in dark days. So it's going to require us to have the light of the glory of God, nice and bright, because we need to be able to see. And I, I don't know about you, I need discernment. Because there are so many things out there. I'm telling you, there is stuff out there today that is scary. And the Bible says this. And Hosea says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Ignorance will kill you. You can be saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, and you die. Ignorance will kill you. But all you're getting, get understanding. So the people of God must be aware. See, we got to be aware. And so in order to be aware, we got to be people to grow up and understand what's happening around us and be able to discern, not from a, a fleshly standpoint, but from a spiritual standpoint. A big difference. All right, so y'all ready? You got your pen and pencil ready? Because I'm going to give you back these, and I want you to, I'm going to give them to you, and I want you to give, give them back to me at the end of this sermon. Amen? All right, how much time I got? All right, let's go. Let's do this. Number one. Ten principles of a spiritually mature Christian. Number one, watch this. Revelation, they regularly read the word, study, and obey scripture. Study and obey scripture. 2 Timothy 3.16. Do you have that verse? Amen. 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by God, by inspiration of God. That means God breathed. Now, what, what scripture? Is that just the Old Testament? Or new. Come on, talk to me. All, thank you. All. Everybody say all. And it's given, watch this, by inspiration, meaning that word inspiration means God breathed. And it's profitable. In other words, here's how the word of God is to profit us for doctrine, watch this, for reproof. How many know the word of God will reproof you, will rebuke you, right? For correction, right? That's what the word of God is for. And for instruction in righteousness. So the word of God is to rebuke me, to correct me, so that I can live right. Amen. That fair enough? Amen. Now, now, understand this. We, we said a moment ago, we talked about knowledge, the importance of knowledge. And knowledge is important. But, you know, just because you got a lot of knowledge don't make you a mature Christian either. I know a lot of people that got a lot of knowledge. Man, they can quote scripture. We had a brother one time who used to go here years ago, and this brother was sitting, he, he loved, I mean, he was just one of his brothers. He just loved, you ever met them? They just want to argue scripture. They want to show you how much they know. So they use the big words, you know, predestination, sensationalism, and, you know, the doctrine of justification, and they get into the real big, and, and they always want to tell you, and, and he used to sit out there, and he used to argue. He used to argue. And you see him out in the parking lot, he'd be arguing with somebody. <laughs> And, and he loved that. But man, but he looked at his life terrible. Treated his wife like dirt. His relationship, nobody wanted to be around him. But he had a lot of book knowledge. He knew the book. But see, when you read the book, the book is for transformation. You see, when I read the Bible, I don't read the Bible just to get knowledge. Don't make that mistake. Knowledge is good. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1 that we need to be filled with the knowledge of his will. But we need to be filled with the knowledge of his will so that we can do his will. See, it's one thing to have knowledge, but it's another thing to do it. And so I don't want to, listen to me, so we don't want to be, see, mature Christians, they don't talk love, they walk in love. Mature Christians don't talk unity, they walk in unity. Mature Christians don't talk forgiveness, they walk in forgiveness. In other words, they do it. And we don't want to make the fatal mistake of just gaining knowledge and studying the Bible just so that I can have knowledge. But that knowledge got to be transformed. And so, so watch this. So when I read the word, when you read the word, here's what a mature Christian do. This is, this is something I want you to hold on to this. When you read the word, you're constantly sitting there and you're thinking, God, how can I take this and apply it into my life? Um, there have been times when I read the Bible, it still happens today quite frequently. I'll be sitting there at home just reading the book and I'll just start crying because the Holy Spirit just convicted me to something I need to get right. And I'm sitting there reading the Bible. And because I'm not reading to get knowledge. I don't need to argue with you. I don't need an argument. I see the knowledge will come. See, see, all that will come. But our goal is transformation. 
I want, to, I want the word to become flesh in me. See, if that word hasn't become flesh in me, then I just have knowledge. And the Bible says, Paul said to the Corinthian church, that knowledge puffs up. Right. You can have a whole bunch of knowledge, and, but be nothing. Right. So how many know we want to we we be different than that? We want to be mature. So we don't want to just read the word, but we want to allow the word of God to transform our life. Say amen with me, please. Amen. Number two, we have a consistent prayer life. Ephesians 6, 18. Can you turn there? You got that? Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Also, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. Jesus said, my house should be called a house of what? When the church was born, the church was born out of what? When the the apostles were sitting down, when Jesus left, when the apostles, before the Holy Ghost came and filled them with the Holy Spirit and tongues of fire fell on them, you know that all of that was birthed out of prayer. The Bible says, I'll I'll give you a couple other verses. The Bible says this, and Mark 1, 3 to 5, you can just just jot it down because we don't have time to go there. It says, in the morning, everybody say, in the morning. In the morning. Risen a long while before daylight, he, meaning Jesus, went out and departed to a solitary place and where he prayed. Luke 5, 16. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. You want to know where the power, how many of you want to walk in the power and authority of Christ? Amen. How many of you want to be a blessing? I'll put it that way. How many of you want God to use you in extraordinary ways? Amen. It starts with prayer. If you don't have a consistent prayer life, you're not growing spiritually. See, I, I talk to people, I tell people, I, I'm very, very picky about who I get, who I want to pray for me. Because sometimes you can tell people to pray for you, they ain't going to pray for you. They ain't thinking about you. But watch, here's what I'm saying. That, that the most mature people that I know in the faith, the people that I deem to be highly anointed, blessed, gifted are people that pray and they have a consistent prayer life where they talk to God. You see, when I pray, when I read God's word, God is speaking to me. When I pray, I'm pouring out my soul and my spirit to God. There have been times I sit down and I pray and I don't have clarity on something and after I get off my knees, I finish praying. All of a sudden, God just gave me revelation. He gave me, see, God want to spontaneously speak to you every day. See, there are problems. How many know you got problems? There's the devil, you, know, you got a devil out there that got a list of problems waiting on you every day. And he's trying to craft a way that he can trip you up. Amen. And one of the ways that you position yourself, protect yourself, is that you have a regular prayer life. Because when you pray, God talks. He's not a God of the dead. He's the God of the living. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is alive. He hears the prayers of the righteous. He says, my ears are always open. So if his ears are always open and I got to talk to him, I mean, no, we need to be running to him. If you call yourself a mature Christian, you got to have a regular prayer life. Now, I didn't say you had to pray for 30 minutes or two hours because, you know, pray without ceasing. I pray, I don't know about some of y'all, I'm praying like all day. I start in the morning, and then when I'm in the car, I'm praying, and then when I deal with some folk, I start praying right away. Amen. On my job, I'm sitting in my seat praying. Because <laughs> some of you people will drive you to your knees. And, and I'll get, not, sometimes I'll walk out the office door, because you know, every now and then you get upset, and you get up the chair and walk out and start talking to God. See, God will give you wisdom. God will give you God will give you grace to endure. But he, he just said, but see, everything that he did in the church, it, it was all founded on prayer. See, the devil don't want you to get the revelation of prayer because he knows if you get it, it'll change your life. So he don't want you to worry about praying too much. You ever notice how hard it is to pray sometimes? Come on, be honest. You go to sleep. You don't know what to say. You're sitting there, you're, you, you know, the enemy wants to keep you jacked up. Don't, don't get that right. Because you, if you become, you know how to pray. Mm. Boy, if you know how to pray, your life will change. Radically change. And there's some folks you can go to, they know how to get to God real quick. 
them the ones you want to run to. They, they just know. I mean, there's some people I pray with, man, it's like instantly, it's like I got caught up. Then people who don't pray, it's like, what's that? You can tell you ain't really been praying much because you don't even know how to talk to God. See, it ain't not so much about a formula. It's about pouring out your heart to God. David said, this poor man cried and the Lord heard me and delivered me out of all of my fears. God want to have an appointment with you. Talk to him, please. He loves you. God is concerned about what concerns you. Don't let the devil tell you anything different. Can somebody say amen? amen. Number three, here's how you know you're growing. That Watch this. That everything you view, everything that happened in your life is coming from God. Now, I just created some tension there, and I did that on purpose. Everybody say purpose. That you view everything that comes into your life as coming from God. Now, why do I say that? Well, look at Colossians chapter 1. You got that? Because I got to run it quickly because I don't have a lot of time. So, he is the image of the invisible God, right? We're talking about Jesus. See, this is when I get really, you know, I get really excited. Because I love to boast on Jesus because he's awesome, right? Uh, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Keep going. For by him, talking about Jesus, all things were created. Did I say some things? I like that word, all. They are in heaven, watch this, and earth, visible and what? Whether thrones or dominions, come on, come on, come on, walk with me on this. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and what? Good God Almighty. Now watch this, keep going. And he is before all things, and in him all things what? Keep going. And he is the head of the body, the church. That's who we are, aren't we? Who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in all things, talking about Jesus, he may have the preeminence. That means Jesus has first place. He's superior over all things. Now, you say, Pastor, why would you make such a crazy statement? Well, you know, I'll put it to you this way. God is sovereign, right? We understand what sovereignty means. That means that he controls everything. Do you not realize that every, there's nothing that happened in your life unless it first had to come across God's desk? Watch. So everything that happens in your life first, because God is all-knowing. Right. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's omniscient. He's everywhere, right? So there's nothing that God don't know. So everything that happens in your life or that happens in your life, watch this. God first has to say, it's okay. I'm going to let it happen. Well, Pastor, where do you get that from in the Bible? You ever read Job? <laughs> All right, now watch this. Job was a mighty man of God. In fact, the Bible says that, that Job was a righteous man. A saved, sanctified man. He pleased God. Job walked with God. And yet, Satan came and requested permission to attack Job. And God says, you can do this, but you can't do that. Right. <laughs> all right. So, so all the stuff happened to Job. Now, how did Job view it? Job said, well, Job said, blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord take it. The Lord give it away. Blessed be his name. <laughs> In other words, Job realized that if God is sovereign and that God handles and he controls all things, then God has chosen in his sovereignty to let me deal with what I'm going through. Now, I know you don't like that, particularly if your situation ain't what you want it to be. And here's what happened when our situation is not the way we want it to be. We start complaining. And boy, do you want to get God upset? Start complaining. 
Oh my God. You want to know one thing that got God upset more? Than, see, a mature Christian don't complain. Mature Christians say, look, see, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, I believe. Y'all can check me. But, 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 but it said, in all things, give thanks. In yes. all things. Oh, gosh. I don't understand it. I don't like it. But I'm going to give God thanks. I don't like my situation. I don't like this person. I don't like none of it. But, God, I give you thanks because I know that you're in control and that ultimately it's going to work for my good. That's that. Ultimately, why? Because we know he's sovereign. We know he hears the prayers of the righteous. Well, why do I have to go through? See, y'all don't believe me. Look at, real quick, look at Numbers chapter 11, verse 1. Just go there. That's an Old Testament. Numbers chapter 1. I'm sorry, Numbers chapter 11. I said Numbers chapter 1, but look at this. If y'all are there, good. If you're not, then I got to go. Numbers chapter number 11, look at this. It says now, <laughs> you know the children of Israel, they complained a lot, didn't they? Boy, they complain. I mean, they, they, look, 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 look up, look up, watch it. They yelled and they screamed when they were in bondage, weren't they? God, get me up out of this. Oh, I'm under the oppression of Pharaoh. Oh, God, this is hard. And, and then the Lord sent Moses because the people of God were being oppressed and rightly so. And so they screamed for a deliverer. And so God now going to take them out. But how I many know, but, but when, when God took them out, I mean, they walked. I mean, you would think that somebody who saw the whole ocean, the sea part, and they walk on dry ground, that that might have convinced them to shut up. Come on. I mean, I didn't see some craziness. I mean, I, did, I, did, God, I ain't got nothing to say. Whatever you say. But no, they didn't. They, those jokers kept on screaming and complaining. Well, we don't like the cucumbers. Oh, oh, we don't, no, no, we want to go back to where the leeks and the cucumbers were. We want to go back to Egypt because at least then we had all these meals. We had some good food. I'm sick and tired of this manna. I'm tired of it. Every time I turn around, I'm sick and tired of the old same old, same old, same old. I want something different. Sick of it. Oh, but look at this. <laughs> Jump up down. Uh, Numbers 11, chapter 1. Uh, I got to get my glasses so I can see this. Hallelujah. Y'all there? Amen. All right. It says, now, when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. For the Lord, what? Oh, my goodness. All right. I want you to think about yourself now. Think about yourself. Every time you complain about your situation, guess who hears it? Well, pastor ain't here. Nobody here, so I can complain. Uh-uh. My husband ain't here. I can, no, no. Uh, every time you complain, it offends the spirit of God. Because in essence, what you're saying to God is, to God, I'm not happy with what you're doing. I, I come to church. I say you're sovereign. But you know what, God? God, God, look at this. Don't like it. No, he said the Lord heard it, and what else happened? He stop. And his anger, everybody say anger, anger. was aroused. And now, now, you don't want to get God mad at now, you know, because he, he's God. I mean, you can get me mad, you can get sister so-and-so mad, at, but, but you, you don't want to get God angry because he's bad. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's all by himself. I mean, get, you don't want to get God angry. And his anger was aroused so that the fire of the Lord burned, watch it, among them and consumed some of them in the outskirts of the camp. Now you say, that's kind of cruel that God would do such a thing. But God, you know the Bible says, if you go back to that verse we read in Timothy, all scripture is given for correction and reproof. That's what that is. It's God's way of saying that I don't like it when my people complain. See, mature Christians, they don't complain. They don't go back and say, you know, some people, sometimes you talk to people they tell you all they talk about is every problem they got. And in essence, they're, they're whining and complaining. And God is sitting right there the whole time. And, and you know what? And your blessings have been hijacked by the spirit of complaint. And you can't figure out why you're in jacked up because you're complaining too much. So here, here's the thing. We need to be people that say, you know what? God, 
Here's where I am. Here's how I feel. But you know what, Lord? I'm going to promote thanksgiving in my situation. I'm going to be thankful because you know what, God? You love me. And you said you would take care of me. I ain't going to fuss about it no more. Everybody say maturity. maturity. We just went deep, didn't we? I can see it on some of your faces, boy. You're like in, you're in conflict right now. You're like, you don't know what you're going to do. I told you we're going to step on some of your toes. Uh, which number are we? Number three, we got to run. All right, no, okay. Number four, they feel, spiritually mature people, they never feel like they've arrived. Okay? You, how many know the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15? I think they have the verse. You can look at it. But you know the Apostle Paul was... Pretty neat dude. I mean, he he wrote like most of the New Testament. Um, he planted all these churches. Paul had revelations. He's seen visions and things that he couldn't even talk about. The Apostle Paul, right? And the Apostle Paul says, "Watch." He says, "Therefore, let us uh, go back for me. Go back. Go back." I'm sorry, can you go back? Not that I have arrived or have attained, already attained. Now, this is coming from the Apostle Paul, with all his knowledge. You know, if anybody you think that they were cool. Yeah, I'm the apostle. I'm the great apostle Paul. I planted this church. I started this church. I planted that one. I planted that one. I birthed you in the kingdom. Paul said what? He said, not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on. Everybody say press on. That I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Keep going. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. He said, look, even with all the stuff that Paul did, Paul said, I, don't, I do not look at myself as having arrived. See, spiritual, spiritually mature people, they never look at themselves as I got that. You should have enough humility that you can learn from a child. I should have enough, enough maturity that I can learn from that little baby right there. You know, I can learn from, if you open your eyes, that little baby will teach you something. Sometimes they'll teach you, do you act? No, let me go keep going. See, see, watch this. Forgetting those things. Here's what Paul said. But one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind. Watch this. And I reach forward. Everybody say forward. To those things which are ahead. Watch this. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Can you keep going? Therefore let as many, watch this, as many as are what? <laughs> have this mind. So what is the mind that we need to have? That you know what? I'm still growing. I'm still reaching. And you know what? You're going to die still growing and still reaching. You're going to die still growing. And here's what you're going to find out. You don't know as much. You know, I was listening to Billy Graham. They did an interview with Billy Graham not too long ago. And, you know, he's like really, really old. And he talked about, he was giving a contrast between the younger him and the older him. And I don't know if you listened to him lately, but he just kind of, he softened his tone a little bit. He just softened his tone. Not that he's not compromised truth. Some people try to say that. He has not compromised truth. But he really, it's almost like a man that said, well, all my years of study in the word and have led probably millions to Christ in my whole lifetime, I realized I don't know as much as I thought I knew. I keep a humble disposition. Brother, teach me. Teach me. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm ready to learn. All right, now. Number five, they practice forgiveness. Mature Christians, they forgive. Ephesians 4.32, read that verse. And be kind to one another. See, and this, this is how we need to treat each other, right? This is about, so anytime a Christian is not kind to you, they, they're already in violation. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave who? Oh, man, that's deep. Now, see, so here's the thing. I know this is one of those things that create tension because I can go to each and every one of you and when I say something about forgiveness, there's an image that pops up in your head. It might be a person, some incident, that every time you see that person, you know, my wife, my wife was laughing, we was talking about this yesterday, but there's a lady who did my wife and I wrong. And you know, my wife, you know, my wife, she, she'll, she'll tell you, she struggled with this because my wife saw that lady one time and my wife was like, she, she, couldn't, she couldn't stand it. She was like, you know, I said, baby, I said, uh, 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 I, I detect something there. She said, what, what, nothing? Well, I said, no, 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 no. You can't stand to look at that woman. I said, something, she's, and she sit there and she's like, I said, hello, hello, you need to deal with that. And she, in her pride, she wouldn't at the moment, but later on she came to me and said, you were right. 
But here's the thing. That same woman that did my, my wife wrong, every time my wife was laughing about it, just yesterday, every time my wife see the lady in the grocery store, she's running. This lady got kids, she got her kids running, ducking, because she don't want to see my wife because she knows she did wrong. See, I want to be a person that is in control of my emotions. I want to be free. I want to be free to love anybody and preach to anybody regardless of what they did to me. I want to love you even though everything in me says that they're no good, they're dirty, you can't trust them. If God, if they say, look, forgive me, I'm forgiven. I ain't going to sit back. But see, before, you don't even have to ask me to forgive you. I've, I've, been, I've been there, done that. My dad was, my dad, my, my kids don't know my father. My father died in 87. And man, he did some horrible things to my mom. Horrible. But you know, I can honestly say, I am completely free. I ain't mad. I, I, I'm free. And you know, it feels good to be free. It feels good. I'm not going to be tied down by a spirit of bitterness. I'm not going to be handcuffed in the spirit. You know, and, and, and as long as you stay bound by unforgiveness, you will never grow spiritually. At least not in that area. You're going to always be trapped. It's a holdup. And I found that God, the way God works is he takes you to levels and stages. And he don't let you go to the next level until you deal with what he's trying to put before you. That's the way he operates. He don't allow you to skip class. Not in the kingdom. There's no skipping. Now, there are some people get on a fast track. That's because they obey quicker. So you want to be quick to obey God. The quicker you obey God, the better you get to that fast track. He wants to take you. But spiritually mature people, they forgive, right? Okay. Uh, What's the next one? Number six, they walk in love. We talked about that earlier. Spiritually mature people, they love people. I, I want to read this in a New Living Translation. I want you to listen up. Uh, this is 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Love does not demand its own way, right? Love is not irritable, and it keeps no record of when it has been wrong. <laughs> it is never glad about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful, endures through every circumstance, and love will last forever. But prophecy, speaking in unknown tongue, languages, and special knowledge, all will disappear. You know what Paul is saying? At the end of the day, what matters most is that we are a people that walk in love. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. Amen. You know, the stuff that most folk get upset about in general, and especially in church life, and, and even outside of church, it's really not that big of a deal. You know, I got five sisters and brothers. I love them dearly. And, uh, and we got some sharp disagreements about some things. But you know what? They still my brother. And they are still my sister. And you know what holds us together? Love. That love, that no matter what happens, that that love is going to always be the glue to keep my family together. How many of you should be that way in a church? We should be people, lovers enough that that we, we, we are supposed to be examples of love. Teach people how to love. And yet sometimes the church is a bad example because we get hung up ourselves. And how many know when we get hung up, we can't love nobody else? We, we're, we, you know, we, 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 have, we have ruined our witness. In love, we treasure one another. We spotlight gifts and abilities rather than faults and failures. In love, we rally around each other when one is wounded, hurt, or struggling. We defend each other. We are willing to do things differently than we would ordinarily do for the honor of Christ. We love each other through it. Number seven, we got to do this. We're going to have to do this real quick because we got to finish. Number seven, spiritually mature people are humble. Philippians talks about let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 6, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that in due season he will lift you up. How many know that God can't deal with spiritually with, with people that are prideful? Humility. Jesus was terribly humble. He created a people and he died at the hands of people 
who did not love him or wanted anything to do with him. Jesus, he said, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. He knew he was God, and yet he humbled himself and said, I'm willing to take the hit for you. I love you that much. I will take the hit. You know, when the disciples in John chapter 13, Jesus knew he had come from God and that he was going back to God. The Bible says he took up a towel, he girded himself, and he began to wash the disciples' feet. And Peter thought like the world thinks. Peter said, Lord, what are you doing? You, you're not, you're a Lord and master. You're not supposed to wash your feet. Jesus says, you don't know me. Because everything I've been trying to teach you, you got to understand that the son of man didn't come to, 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 to be served, but the son of man came to serve and to give his life. If Jesus can do that for us and he's Lord, we ought to be able to do that for one another. I don't understand the people of God sometimes. That, you know, we, I mean, we're supposed to be servants of each other. Well, hey, you know what, Sister April, you know, you had a long week. And I, you know, how many know that, I'm just using that as an example. Somebody served and put that cable together every week. I see all of y'all, it's funny. Y'all should see what I see right before I agree to preach. Y'all running back over here, got crumbs and stuff all over your face and, you know, pie cream and you're running back, you know. But every now and then, you know, mature, you know what, maybe you just ought to say, well, you know what, Sister Abe, I really appreciate that. I tell you what, take a break this week. Let me do that. But brother, I know you've been setting up for a while. You know what? Ah, you know what? I really, I want to let you know that I appreciate what you're doing. So guess what? Brothers, you take a week off. Let me, let me do this. What are we doing in essence? We're fostering, fostering an atmosphere of service. If Jesus can do that for us, we ought to do that for one another. But how many know too much of the church sit back and we complain and we talk, we complain. We already talked about complaining. I ain't even going to go there. But get in the game. Look at the name and say, get in the game. Get in the game. Help out. Sir, be a servant, all right? They're humble. So they humble themselves. They serve. They realize that they're nothing without God. Number eight, they don't seek vengeance. Uh-oh. Romans 12. You got that one? We need to read that verse. Mature people don't try to get other people back. It says, bless, bless those who do what to you? Now, how many of you got some people that you don't like? Oh, look at them hands fly up. Jesus, we got them. We got to have an extended altar call. All right. <laughs> bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not what? All right. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Watch this. Keep going. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. God was just to probably give grace to the who. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. So in other words, somebody do you wrong, don't, don't you do them wrong. All right? So if somebody wronged you, you have no authority from God to treat them wrong. That's Bible. That's hard, ain't it? Because you treat me this way, I'm going to treat you back. I ain't going to give you no love after what you just did to me. Well, then that's fine. But understand that, that you're walking not according to what God's word says. And when you don't do what God's word says, then we get ourselves in trouble. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it's possible, <laughs> as much as it depends on you, Live peaceably with all men. And some people it's tough to live with. I, I agree. It's really hard. But we are to give it our best effort. We are to give it our best effort. So, so mature people, we don't take revenge. We don't try to revenge ourselves and get people back. We got two more. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, can we get the last two? Y'all want to? I'm going to make it real quick. Okay. Uh, number nine, they avoid strife. All right? Mature people, they don't like to fight. The Bible says in Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for these are the children of God. How many know you ought to be a peacemaker, not just at church, but you know you need to be one at work too. Don't participate. You hear people talking and talking about their bosses and everything. You hear that, just turn a deaf ear to it. Don't, don't participate in that. Just say, you know what, I'm going to be a peacemaker. Well, you know what, one of the things I learned about when it comes down to this kind of thing is that I always seek out the best in everybody. Because I believe that there is some good in everybody. And you say, well, brother, ain't nothing good about this brother and sister. Well, at least they come to church. They come. They show up. You can, you can highlight that. They come to church. That's a good thing. 
How many know that God's people, they don't, they don't stir up strife and conflict. They're people that, are, that makes for peace. And number 10, watch this. Mature people, they speak well of each other. Speak well one of one another. James 4.11, can you read that? You got that verse? I don't think you got that one. You do. Do not speak evil of one another. You know, I studied that word speak evil in the Greek. You know what that means? Speak evil means slander. Slander. You know what the word slander means? Words falsely spoken that damages the reputation of another. It is an abusive attack on a person's character or good name. So the Bible says, do not slander one another. How many know we ought not be doing that? He who speaks evil of a brother judges his brother, speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. How many know that we need to foster an atmosphere where we encourage each other? That we build up each other. That every time, I may not even like everything you do, but every time I talk about Brother Lawrence, I'm lifting him up. Amen. And I got, you know, Brother Lawrence is a good brother. You know, thank you for that sign, brother. He didn't even tell me, but good brother. Amen. It's easy to talk good about Brother Lawrence. You know, but some people may be a challenge, but, you know, we got to, listen, if you my mom used to tell me, I don't know, you know, that if you don't have something good to say about somebody, just shut up. The Bible talks about in James how the tongue can just cause major problems. You know, your tongue can set a world on fire. You better be careful what you say and say about other people and learn to keep your... See, spiritually mature people, most of the time, they don't talk too much. They just wait. They learn. They listen. So we're done. So name them. Number one. Spiritually, spiritually mature people, number one. Number two. Number three. Number four. Number five. Number six. Number seven. Number eight. Number nine. Number ten. We're done. Bow your heads. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. If you're here this morning and you know you're not right with God, you need to get right with him. We want to give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, now is the time. He died for you. He loves you. He's not willing that any man perish, but all come into the knowledge of the truth. By raising your hand, you're saying, Pastor, I'm not saved. And today, I want to know that I'm right with God. If that's you, slip your hand up. We want to give you an opportunity. We want to give you an opportunity to come to Jesus. Is there one? Is there one? Secondly, maybe you've heard something this morning and the Holy Spirit has convicted you. He's revealed to you that you've walked in some very, very immature ways and you just sense that the Spirit of God just, just need to deal with it. Just do me a favor. Just raise your hand up to God. Nobody's looking around. Just, I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. We're not going to embarrass nobody. This is about change. This is about God moving. We need to change. Father, I pray for everyone that raised their hand this morning. First of all, they had the courage to admit, Lord, that they are wrong. Lord, will you please help them? Give them the grace. Give them a special anointing, God, to deal with the issues, Lord God, that is making it very difficult for them to do what you say. I pray in the name of Jesus for a breakthrough, Lord God that we will be a people of maturity, that we will be a people that make you proud, that we will be a people that make you smile. God, I pray, Lord God, that you would help us so that we can get the fullness, God, of the blessing of walking with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. At this time, we want to, um, we want to take communion. We do that every first Sunday. take a moment the apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 he talked about communion being a very very sacred thing he says therefore whoever eats this bread or drink this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner would be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord but let a man examine himself and let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. We believe that communion is symbolic of the Lord's body and his blood that was shed for us.
So when we commune with him, it's our way of remembering him. It's our way of saying, Lord, that we're going to submit to your lordship. So take a moment before we take communion. Examine your hearts. If there's any unconfessed sin in your life, I beg you, please don't take communion. Get it right first. The Bible says in Corinthians that there were some folks that died because they didn't discern the sacredness of the moment. Communion is a very sacred and serious thing. So take a moment, examine your hearts. If you're not right with God, repent of sin, and then we will take communion together. Let's pray. Section one, two, three, serve themselves here at the table. We'll go ahead and start with this section. You can come and serve yourself and then go back to your seats and then we'll take communion together. So just uh, we'll start with this road to my left. from the Lord that which I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed he took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said take eat this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me Father we do thank you for your broken body by your stripes we are healed today Father I pray that as we take this Lord this symbolic of your body that, Father, that we would remember the pain and the suffering. And that, God, it will propel us, Lord God, to walk worthy and honor, Father, of all that you sacrificed for us. Shall we eat together? When tries my to kill, to worship, I In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper saying, this is the cup. This cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Father, we thank you. Oh, Lord, we thank you for your blood. Your blood, Father, that purifies us, cleanses us, and qualifies us to even be in your presence forever. For you have made us blameless, blameless, Lord. The blood that was spilled on Calvary for us is the same blood that makes us whole. The same blood that carries us and gives us hope. 
We remember that sacrifice today. And we, Father, purpose to live in honor of that sacrifice until you come back for us again. Shall we drink together? Amen. Just uh, pass those cups to your left or to your right. The ushers will be there to collect those. Amen. Why don't we give God a praise clap this morning if you can. Amen. Well, I pray that this series has blessed you. For those of you who just came in today or just got wind of this series, I want to... Uh, you can go online there, uh, www.foundation-ministry.org. All of our sermons are posted online for your listening and downloading pleasure. I trust and pray that you will have a good week this week. Walk in the power of the Lord. Uh, also, I want to mention a couple things, um, well, at least one thing. Uh, we want to keep uh, Brother Curtis Gay, April's husband, uh, he had another stroke. Uh, so uh, please uh, keep him in prayer. I went and spent some time with him yesterday and prayed with him. And so he's over at the Health South, uh, room 107, which is right, right behind the Mary Washington Hospital. So if you want to encourage him, uh, I encourage you to do so. I'm sure he would appreciate that. Amen. And those baptism candidates, uh, just meet with me over in the library, which is the children's area. And I will take a few moments with you in preparation for next week's baptism. Amen? Amen. Uh, let's pray. Lift your hands to the Lord. Father, we thank you so much. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before his throne to grace. Lord, we give you glory, give you honor. Thank you for the sacrifice. We praise you. We love you. And all God's people said amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. See ya.